0: Saeed Afzal Haider is one of the senior editors of the Chicago Quarterly Review. His new novel is To Be With Her. Thank you for joining me, Saeed. Thank you, Nick. You know, um, I'd like to talk with you a little bit about your work as an editor for the Chicago Quarterly Review. This is uh, one of the icons of American uh, literary fiction publishing. How long have you been working there and what brought you to be an editor?
1: It sort of started as a challenge and a joke. Uh, A bunch of us were fellow students at the University of Chicago. I'm one of those people who, like lawyers and doctors, who think at one point they can become writers, and I'm one of those. I was not a lawyer or a doctor. I was an engineer. But at one point in my Mm -hmm. life, I thought, well, I should write too. So (coughs) that brought me to taking classes in the University of Chicago and trying to become a writer, you know, how to become a writer. And there, the woman who was teaching the classes was also publishing the work of the fellow students as a journal. So I got immediately published. So I thought, well, you know, I can write and I can get published, although that was just a false beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, So... We were in the, so many of us were in the classes for about two years, followed this woman and learned every, all the wisdom of good writing. And and then I was not getting published and not other fellow students either. So we thought, well, why can't we start our own journal and become writers and publishers? So that brought, so I was the so-called founding editor of the Chicago Quarterly.
0: Wow, that's incredible. So, Talk about, uh... Your early days editing this and putting it out—I I mean, it's—it's it's an acclaimed journal now. And I'd like to uh, understand what kind. What kind of guidelines did you set? Did you uh, give yourselves when you originally started? Did you have anything to say? I'll look at anything. That was the case. I mean, we would
1: look at not only everything. First, we were all since we were all published. Successfully by a respectable woman who was teaching in the University of Chicago, Mali Ramanujan was her name. Uh, I think she still lives. I hope she's living. (laughs) Uh, But she uh, and she would not make any comment on the you know manuscript will turn in the stories will turn in. All she would say: read or cross it out. Mm -hmm. That means it was not good enough and. And there's an old tavern in Chicago called Jimmy's Woodland Tab. All the industry of Chicago kind of people go there or used to go there. Mm-hmm. And she will make us read. That's what the read means. So you mm-hmm. go there in front of Mike and read. She thought the writer should know his voice or her voice.
0: So this is live reading.
1: Yeah, that and was As
0: performance, essentially. Something
1: like that, yeah. yeah. And some of them really got into performing. Mm-hmm. So that's... But so after, you know getting published, you know, she published us, so many of us, not everybody who was in her class got published but some of us were lucky or good enough writers that got published. And after we got published, we got the taste of getting published and then nobody was publishing us. <laughs>
0: so you decided to rectify <laughs> yeah, that says, problem. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: we said, well, we can do, we can be able, uh, make, so we started, it was a very humble beginning. I mean, so many of us put uh, we were already have enough not enough, but we knew among our class and then the people who Mali has, a f- you know, like this following that she was always written in the local papers and she was a guru of writing. She, mm-hmm. like myself, she was an Indian as well, but I'm not a guru. She was. <laughs> <laughs> I think you are. You qualify now, though. <laughs> so... So that you know, so we—it uh, was out of our own struggles, and we never thought that we would become what we are. I mean, Chicago Quarterly has become a respectable journal now, and it's been around for about 13 plus years. And but uh, initially, you know, whoever would submit it was more than halfway decent. We'll accept it. <laughs> <laughs> and, but now it, it it has become very hard to get published because we get three to five, sometimes seven submissions a day.
0: Wow,
1: that's a lot. Uh, and it's you know it's all volunteer work. We mm-hmm. nobody get paid to work for the magazine, and we have about eight or ten editors help us produce the magazine. Mm-hmm. And so that was the early beginning of the magazine. And now uh, we and we stop even. Uh, we used to put a lot of work from our fellow editors, partly to make sure the quality of the work is good. And I'm not saying that editors were better writers, but we knew each other's work, and it was definitely decent than some of the things we were receiving. Mm-hmm. So we were pu- often publishing a lot of my, my work or other fellow editors' work, but gradually we started receiving so many submissions that it did not feel right to in keep on including editors' works over the last 10, no, not maybe 10, but about seven or eight years we have not included Mm-hmm. And work from our fellow editors, although we don't have any rule against it. if we see a certain piece that would fit in and would, you know, is the right place to put in the magazine, we will, but we have not done that. We usually just, you know, we have so many good submissions that it f- feel right to just get the other writer mm-hmm. out there, it, the place to... <laughs>
0: As now that you're well known, you're getting so many. You do get so many submissions that the uh, percentage, even if you go with Sturgeon's law, which is ninety percent of everything is crud, you've got ten percent of your ten ten percent of your works that your submissions are going to be pretty good. It sounds like, and you've got it getting enough at, at five to seven submissions a day. Now, um, I, I'd like you to talk about a little bit about uh, literary fiction and the kind of fiction that you publish. Um, literary fiction tends to to be somewhat realistic. And I'm wondering if there's, if you guys um, consider genre fiction, do you guys get mysteries? I mean, what kind of, are the submissions you get all over the map from everything from like science fiction to literary poetry? Or do you really, are most of your submissions mostly in the literary fiction to literary poetry spectrum?
1: actually, it would be literary fiction and literary poetry because we uh, our state now you know the poets and writers you know have done a little bit about us and we are listed in writers' market and mm-hmm. we clearly say that we do not read uh, science fiction or uh, certain other genre mm-hmm. so we, mostly i mean occasionally people send us whatever they write and if the but we only Select the what we consider fiction as or literary fiction, mm-hmm. uh, and same applied to the poetry.
0: I, I'd like you to talk about um, this this um, experience of being a writer and being an editor at the same time, and receiving all this work and reading all this literary work as you as you much do. Uh, how do you like? Filter out what you've read when you sit down to write yourself. Or do you? No, actually, uh, good read. I I
1: think every writer should read a lot. I mean, you cannot write without reading. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of my time gets spent in reading at times not so good work, but not always. Mm -hmm. Some of the time you just get blown away by somebody's story and you don't even know who this person is, but Mm -hmm. he or she has produced a piece that really touches human uh, condition in a way that uh, you don't know how. I mean, uh, there's no substitute writing, although uh, sometimes when you see other, you know, the way the people make films and you say, God, you know, but there's a collaborative work. Writing Mm is uh, one person and he or she with her computer or fountain pen or whatever they write and produce
0: work. The reading experience is so individual and unique and powerful because the reader participates in, in just translating the prose that they read. And, and when you get that kind of, I know exactly what you mean, you'll just read some story out of nowhere and you go, oh my God, that just knocked me out. Yes. <clears throat> now, uh, but as I, that happens to you as an editor and you're reading both good and bad stuff, what happens to you when you sit down to, in front of the keyboard yourself to uh, compose a story? Uh, to me the stories either come like
1: sometime I'll have a beginning in my mind and I want to go and see where that beginning will take but I like the stories where I know the ending Mm.
0: so you you write from the ending backwards?
1: Uh, it gives me an idea what I want to see Uh, When one of my short stories about a baseball pitcher and I don't even I mean I'm a big fan of baseball and White Mm -hmm. Sox Chicago White Sox but that's neither here or there. point is that Uh, I saw a photograph of a certain picture and his head was, uh, his cap was covering his eyes and so therefore, and I saw there's a man looking further with his eyes, no, I I can't even remember my own line, but that line, looking at that photograph just made me write a certain story that. I don't know where I would, if ever, would, would have come to me because just looking at this photograph, of this picture, and this was—he uh, probably, whatever he did, and and, and he was just, I, yeah, man, trying to see further than he can see, or some, you know. I wish I could read my own, remember my own line, but I can't. <laughs> so, but it—it it was that initiated, and I just created the whole. You know, uh, writing is either imitating. Unfortunately, maybe even copying—not copying word for word—but the thoughts and feeling that you come and you say, "How could you express the same feeling and make it unique? It's mm-hmm. your own thing." And, and in that way, the, with all the baseball going on, I have—you know—I have all the words to f- pick up whatever, however I want to say a certain things. The, the, some poor <laughs> reporter would write a certain scene in the dugouts, and I can just take what I need to make my story. Take, take where I was going to take it. So it's uh, it was a very easy story, to write. I mean, actually, I one of my favorite stories, and it, I didn't have to do much work. I mean, other stories took a lot of energy because I have to. Everything was coming from inside, but here I have it, something that goes on every day. And I'm it's American favorite pastime, and <laughs> and I was part of it. And I said, "Oh, that's you know," I, I, and it's one of my favorite stories, and. It, came from an, it's looking at a photograph of this picture.
0: Now, your work has a kind of a, a gritty feel to it, I, I think. And, and I'd like you to talk about creating that kind of close to the experiential world as opposed to a more ethereal or uh, intellectual approach. Um, does that happen at the prose level as the words come out, or does that happen at the conceptual level as you envision the story?
1: a t- lot of my stories are first-person mm-hmm. narrative. I mean, I, I still have a lot of difficulty in a third-person narrative. And uh, I get caught into, l- or get lost. Other <laughs> uh, What happens to me is, lot things come from exp- uh, feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, after, you know, I studied engin- electrical engineering once upon a time. Then I studied psychology, social work, and... And somehow like I said, I end up being some kind of writer and editor, this is. Uh so a lot of these are very personal uh, happenings. I mean mm-hmm. uh, my novel is it's all fiction but it there's a lot of truth in it. It's a lot of personal experience that went on to produce this. Especially it's the first novel. I already have another novel finished and I'm it's being currently with my editor and probably will go to my agent and probably will never get published, but that's beside the point. <laughs> I'm guessing it will get published.
0: You know, um, one of the things that every writer every writer brings a different kind of skill set or, or way of talking uh, to the reader. For example, um, you know, uh, a historian might, you know, brings all his knowledge, unique knowledge of history and writes maybe a non-fiction work or a fiction work. A scientist might bring his specialization. I There's a guy who um, is responsible for Pluto being, you know, demoted from planethood. And so he's got his own particular life set and experience mm. that informs his book. Um, I'd like you to talk about how your life experience Informs your writing. I'm. What is is it in your life resume that ends up in your fiction? Uh, tell tell s- us a little bit about it. I mean, how you became went from um, engineering to <laughs> writing. I mean, that's a your 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 life journey.
1: Well, I have certain life experiences that I felt like I need to express them, mm-hmm. and the writing was the way to go. Into it, uh, uh, my book is a story of at least a betrayal and love lost, and that I experienced both. And mm-hmm. I was the one who betrayed, but in mm-hmm. the <laughs> guilty party. But nevertheless, I was trying to find. I'm not saying this is a book of redemption at all. No, mm-hmm. it, it, if anything, it's a book of accusation. I mean, it still you know hurts to look back and what went on, or what I you know end up or either consciously or unconsciously. Your
0: life experience as paralleled in the book, you look at the book and it brings back the painful aspects of your life experience, and that pain actually was what, in the first place, resulted in writing the book. Yeah. The inspiration. It, well, tell us a little bit just about your life experience. You you, you uh, were a student at uh, the University of Chicago. Um, how did you get there? And uh, how did you talk about that kind of uh, conversion from the sciences and engineering, which is a light years away, from creative expression. I mean, there's there's a heavy divide there.
1: It is a very heavy divide, but I think it's also a very helpful divide mm-hmm. because uh, sometimes, I mean, I don't know, I'm not one of those writers who went to MFA programs from the beginning and learned everything mm-hmm. according to whoever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but it, it would help me as a, Student science and uh, that you know that things have to work. It, they, you cannot. There's no guesswork involved. And mm-hmm. I know in in writing is not. It's n- it's a science. I think it, but I don't know what kind of science it is. I mean, it, emotional like, science. Yeah. Thank you. That's a very good word. I like it. <laughs> I can, now I can use it <laughs> <laughs> next time in my writing. <laughs> if you know. <don't. laughs> yeah. It's, it's an emotional science, and it really was very. Uh, uh writing uh, i think people should just write and not worry about what's coming out that's mm-hmm. the first uh, thing i do and you flush it out you say what you have to say and then you ha- the most of writing is rewriting mm-hmm. and editing the first part is easy because you just it out yeah you just keep on saying whatever you have to say and, and, and then you say well that doesn't make any sense why and that's when the signs come in You say, well you know you cannot do that it's not a form. it doesn't mm-hmm. fit any formula it doesn't make any equation balance <laughs> 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 and why are you doing this well that's an interesting
0: <laughs> approach uh, let's talk a little bit about your book you have a character Raman Malik mm-hmm. uh, he's uh, he's a Muslim and he goes to movies this are not uh, Things that people immediately associate with with uh, one another. So talk about that kind of creating that kind of schism and, and the experience of somebody who's a a Muslim in modern day America, which is clearly not easy.
1: The first of all, movie experience is personal. I grew up with the movies, and I got good God, I love movies. I I, I even this day I see about two or three movies a week. Wow, that's good. <laughs> so I know and. <laughs> And I, I, the I, the framework just kind of fell into it because having grown up in in India, but I was only like nine when we, my family moved from India to Pakistan because mm-hmm. the, the partition of India happened. And actually those experiences are very worthwhile. I mean, you don't want to push yourself to an exodus. We don't want the ter- ter- terrible thing that happened to people so that they can write, mm-hmm. but it That's the source of uh, writing energy. I mean, I don't know if you can live happy all the time and try to find pain (laughs) to write about. You know, you cannot, you have to experience pain to write about, some of the pain. Uh,
0: So I guess this experience of being uh, a a child and having your country divided... And ending up from moving from one country to another, I guess that's kind of like the poles of a battery in you that gave you that kind of energy to, to write. Could you talk about how that youthful, raw kind of pain and emotional experience... I mean, you know, you're just a kid you don't really have a clue as to what's going on in the world and what's happening around you is so incredibly complex. Most people to this day and age who are complete adults and consider themselves well-informed have no clue themselves uh, as to what happened to you. So talk about how you use that your child experience to, I guess, as a battery to jumpstart your own experience here in America now, and then to translate that into prose.
1: Well, what uh, one thing that happened is when I was taking these classes at the University of Chicago, and I must clarify, I don't mean that I wasn't like in their MFA program or a graduate of the University of Chicago, but they, these were extension classes for those who want to become a writer. Mm-hmm. So I was taking these all these classes for a long time with this one woman and just followed her. And she would say, "You're not getting to the heart of the story." And she keep on saying. So she said she used to have this so-called individual ses- sessions. So she'd invite her student one to one, sit down with them, and say, talk to her about different life experiences, and and then find something to focus. And at one point, she asked me about you know when did my family move from near to Pakistan, and I was like I said, about eight or nine, you know, when my family moved to India or Pakistan, I remember we used to have our own house, home, my father's house, and my mother and my sisters are packing things in one of the rooms, and I know that that night we are going to leave, from midnight we left in, from you know, Jhansi, the city. And I was young enough that Nobody's going to come back to collect this luggage and the stuff that we are storing in one of the <laughs> couple of bedrooms in the house because we are leaving from India, going to Pakistan, and mm-hmm. nobody's going to come to. <laughs> well, let's go back and get our <laughs> luggage back from. <laughs> and and I was so you know mystified and fairly stupid that uh, I didn't feel. But I thought, what uh, what is my father or mother thinking? Why are they packing? this? They should just leave. Nobody was buying because the Indians. Hindus and it's not about Hindus or Muslims uh, but the people knew that these people are not going to if they, you don't buy their stuff they're going to leave mm-hmm. and they're going to get it for, for <laughs> free so they, nobody was buying anything you cannot sell your house you cannot sell your dining room table or you cannot set your bedroom set not that we have any of those mm-hmm. <laughs> but nevertheless you cannot sell anything and but in the meantime, my family is packing all this stuff in a couple of bedrooms, and my father locks the door and, and with a old-time padlock. And I'm saying, this is this is funny. What's going to happen? So, so when this Mali woman, my teacher, insisted to write, and I don't know from where that piece came, and I remember, and even now it kind of make me again, even now it makes me sentimental to think that the pain to know that this was not. This is just a departure. There's no coming back, and yet we are storing our stuff mm-hmm. that would never be collected again <laughs> <laughs> and it never was I mean uh, yeah, so to you d-
0: just started up in Pakistan with nothing with,
1: nothing with
0: nothing practically nothing yeah now, growing up, how long did you how long were you in in Pakistan and talk about growing up? Uh, with nothing, having just been completely uprooted, you because as a nine-year-old kid, you're not fully rooted yet anyway.
1: Yeah, that's a very good point. Again, yeah, no, what what happened? My father basically was a very resourceful per- person. He was, by vocation, an artist, an art teacher, and he had an art that would be too hard. What he was called a thumbnail drawing, and mm-hmm. he would lay, with his thumb and middle finger would emboss uh, uh, likeness of you or me. And in any event, he managed to uh, find not only a teaching job, which he was in India, but also made a name for himself as an artist in that p- world. And and we. From become middle class in in living in Pakistan, we mm-hmm. ultimately got our house, but initially we. Uh, I wrote that uh, there's a story about when we arrived in. This is wonderful. Uh, says a lot about my father. We arrived in uh, in Karachi because all these massacres that were going on between India-Pakistan border. My father, we didn't take a train through Lahore, you know, the Punjab inter, through the train. We mm-hmm. came in from the city of Jhansi where we lived to Bombay and then took a ship from Bombay to Karachi. Mm-hmm. So now we arrive in, in Karachi. Now, a hot, it, yeah. let me ask you. Sure. So
0: you, were, you could have just gone over land, but there mm-hmm. were massacres going on between the two points. Mm-hmm. You're a nine-year-old kid, and you're hearing about this, I guess, third hand and so your parents take you took you on the uh, through uh, to Bombay then you took an ocean liner mm-hmm. to Pakistan so so talk just ta- tell me about how that felt to you as, as a child thinking about gosh we're moving to a new country but we have to go to the go to it via a route where they're not massacring people that must have been did you understand what was happening
1: no actually i have a lot of faith it and, uh, and does. I was very happy that my father was taking care of all the right thing because mm-hmm. the the news of massacre I mean uh was all over the paper I mean not that I was reading paper but you, you as a child you hear about those things. and sure. and there were uh, the 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 m- number of people got murdered or massacred in that you know at that at the end of that partition is Enormous. I don't. I don't think too many people have written it. There's only one or two book that I know, and then like one or two movies made. So yeah, I was totally you know unsure. We stayed in a refugee camp in Bombay. Wow. uh, Until we managed to find our passage to uh, Pakistan. But coming back to what I was saying, so now I'm talking about resourcefulness of my father. We arrive in in Karachi, and we have no place to go. Obviously, Mm -hmm. in and my father, there's a camel carts in Pakistan or kranchi there here, and so he's talking to this camel car driver and then he said, "Well where do you want to go?" And my father says, "Well, how much it will cost how to go to your place and this guy started smiling and laughing and and my father said, "You know i have we have no place to go where, where will you take us and this guy actually took us to his shack. And we spent that night at his, this poor camel car driver's shack. And then he took my father to a landlord who uh, had a lot of buildings. But these buildings are used, mostly used for as a warehouse. And, uh, and my father exchanged, because he was an artist, to paint a portrait of his, this man's mother, who was deceased. And in exchange, we got a small coli uh, they used to call, which is like a small room with a shared bathroom with six other rooms, And but at least we have a good shelter and a uh, roof over our head, and that was our first uh, after f- staying with this camel car driver's shack, we found a small shack of our own, and from then my father keep on building and like I said, his artwork, he, he, he literally went to the uh, these kind of things don't ha- would not happen in this point in time, but my father in governor general house of in Pakistan walked into the uh, the front guard and asked to see the Muhammad Ali Jinnah, who was the, you know, founder of Pakistan, so to speak, and say, if he could, I could talk to him.
0: (laughs) Your father, your father arrives in Pakistan. He spends his first night in a camel cart shack. He negotiates his way. He paints his way. Into a decent house. Then he walks up and introduces himself to the leader of Pakistan. Yeah, and, and does a portrait for him. I'm guessing. Yeah, of
1: course, <laughs> of, course of course, of course, of course.
0: This is a, uh, this is an amazing, resourceful father. I can see why you have such security in 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 launching forth.
1: No, I my stories have a lot of stories about my father. Unfortunately, my mother got more ignored. Although I'm very, well, they both are gone, but I was, you know, and my mother is the one who who I betrayed. (laughs) But that's uh, another story. But my father was just really, you know, a good father in the sense. He knew what needed to be done Mm -hmm. and would find a way to do it. And like I said, from staying at this.
0: That's an amazing story. So. Uh, how old were you when you left Pakistan to come to the United States?
1: I was nineteen. Uh, to uh, A college student. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you
0: came to Chicago.
1: I came actually to Indiana. I mm-hmm. consider in Fort Wayne, Indiana, my you know Indiana. I'm my state. Although from there I went to Oklahoma State mm-hmm. uh, in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Then I came back to Chicago and I finally finished school in Chicago. So yeah, Chicago is home.
0: Now, um it, i now I having heard your life story I now understand the resume for the kind of grittiness and first-person observations in your fiction I, having lived such a, a a life close to the edge and, and a life where your father or you were with your father and mother and forced to uh like make decisions, life decisions on a daily basis that most of us don't even have to make once in a lifetime. Here, I mean, uh, to in terms of survival, talk about um, crafting your novel uh, to be to be with her uh, and creating uh, your character, uh, Ramzan uh, Malik. So he, like you, is a moviegoer. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are, do you mind me asking? Are are you Muslim? yes and you're so you're observant
1: and and no 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 observant part is long long time i'm not i i in terms of i mean no i don't want to uh, hurt any religious feeling of any religion but i i think religious uh, religion is becoming irrelevant now Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's only creating more problem for most of us Mm -hmm. uh, and more division so no, I'm unfortunately I'm not, I don't practice anything and I, uh, my wife is some kind of Christian um, and she, she, I mean she and I always get into this thing about it because she just thinks that I've lost my faith, which she's right, mm-hmm. uh, but I think I've found in my own faith which is that humanity and the trust and love for each other and if we just are kind to each and I'm not trying to make it, you know, too simple, but really the... The basic human kindness goes a long way, and we, that's what, what the the core of life is just to give full respect to the other being.
0: I would talk to a writer who wrote a book about wisdom where he did a neurological analysis of it. They analyzed parts of the brain, and I, one the I think the center point of the book and, and of his definition of wisdom was compassion. Yeah. And I think that's, and and that has to, that's hardwired into us, apparently, by, by virtue of having mirror neurons, that we have these parts of our brains that enable us to literally feel what other people feel, when we see them in pain, and it keeps us, keeps us in, in line. Now, I, so, that's something you do in prose. So talk about creating your character, Ramzan, and, um, this is a novel, so this is a a, a a much different form for you than short fiction. Talk about making that leap from short stories where you can see the ending to a novel. Did you see the ending of your novel before you started it?
1: This was a very uh, different experience because uh, I struggled with that novel for the longest because I could not come out with the ending. I knew what the ending mm-hmm. was because it's loosely based on my own life experiences so i know what has happened but to write in a linear fashion just what happened to me was very dull and boring and as much as it's my book i think it's, it, it, it there's a lot of lot of other issues that come into it so do, it's that, Ramzan's book yeah right it's his book not yeah. yours you're yeah. you're just
0: you're just the uh, uh, interlocutor so, yeah. so to speak
1: yeah i'm just a, you know delivering the <laughs> his thoughts and feelings so so the, uh, i am lost my chain of thought. Uh, you were uh, talking
0: about how you got to the ending. So did you yeah. know the beginning? I mean, you talked about the, the baseball b- story. You knew that from the beginning. Right. Did you know the beginning? Of, did you hit the beginning of this book in the same way?
1: The beginning was easy because I knew what has happened to mm-hmm. this character, which was loosely based on my own experiences. And But ending was not coming easy mm-hmm. you know, because ending, I knew what the ending really was. And... I don't want to give away the ending. Ending is, is even kind of it's kind of loose ending even in the book, but mm-hmm. I it, it worked very well both I think as a work of writing as well as uh, uh for my own satisfaction as a writer that it, to leave leave it the way it is. It 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 is a conclusive ending, but it's not all oh, happily. You know, ev- mm-hmm. everything It's not I, a happy, I, it's I, not a not a fairy tale happy oh, yeah. book ending. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, that's it, good. It, <laughs> it does not. Yeah, it, it I mean, you know what, uh, how the is, is, it ended. That's a good part of it. But it's not one, two, three. It's yeah. just kind of like, okay, we know what's going to happen next, and that's where kind of the book uh, uh, ends.
0: Did you find that creating the plot arc for a novel was a different experience for you than creating the plot arc of a short story? I mean, uh, it's, is it the difference between, like, throwing a ball to somebody across the field and driving to the baseball yeah. game and watching somebody else do yeah, it?
1: Yeah. yeah, it's totally different. Yeah, it's, Different to throw from the pitcher's mound versus from the center field. Uh (laughs) That is very true. That's a very good example you use. Uh, What I think the stories, whether it's a novel or a short story, they're always interconnected, Uh just like the stories of our lives. Nothing ends and get conclusive and nothing, you know. So when when you write, there. They're always interconnected. The woman who, again, I keep on bringing poor Mali, and I hope she's you know somewhere <laughs> happy. Uh, she uh, used to call her method of teaching or writing uh, cloth line," mm-hmm. meaning she said you w- w- do a laundry, you w- you know take one piece of laundry, you know clothing, you hang it, and then you take the next one, and you tie it, put it next to it, and so on. So, and she said that's how the stories are created. They're mm-hmm. not uh, con- I know from continuous from, you know, point eight all the way to uh, whatever the end point is. Uh, So uh, just as our conversation, and we are going all over, but they are connected, yet Mm -hmm. we are going here and there, and ultimately, you know, you will have to do some kind of (laughs) cut and (laughs) and paste to make it. (laughs) No, I I like it just the way it is. It's, It's
0: a story of life, and it's a story of your life, and I think that's something that you said just a second ago that's really important the stories of our lives Mm. because we define ourselves by stories and you yourself have such a strong and unique and powerful life story that acts as a kind of I think a battery or a magnet for you so um, talk about uh, creating these characters and talk about not not just uh, Ramzan but talk about his his the woman he meets Who's American, and, and I'd like to understand how you created this character. Uh, you know, uh, from a a character who is not the percipient, and it's not the it's not the first person. So you've got to create somebody who's out there. Um, did you create her individually, and then have Ramzan see her, or did you just create her as a aspect of as another part of Ramzan's life? If you understand what I mean. I think what
1: happened in this case uh, is it did not happen in the real life that way. But in the story life, mm-hmm. she just walks into his life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the magical happening in a story. When mm-hmm. you're writing something and you are not even... ex, you're, you're, You want to write and you want to write a story that makes sense to people. And then either the characters walk into the story without your planning in that, or they walk into a way that you were not planning that way. Mm-hmm. And in this case, the uh, the female lead, literally just walks into his life. And, and, and I was not planning it that way, but I was so happy when she walked in, <laughs> because I was, <laughs> and I was not desperate at the time, but uh, I think had I not found her, I would have been very desperate you know, in a very bad shape and desperate. So she just literally walked into his life, and he just said, Okay, oh, hang, hang on to it.
0: Now, huh? one of the thing, aspects of this uh, novel is, is that Ramzan is a moviegoer. So you're writing a book about somebody who likes movies. So you have a work of art that has within it somebody else's perceptions of other works of art out there reflected. So talk about that kind of uh, uh, mirror-like, um, I'm building blocks almost. You have these like m- movies out there that, for you, when you go see a movie, it's a big, in- intense experience. And I know exactly mm-hmm. what you mean. And so, talk about creating a character who sees those and in- and those perceptions of the works of art out there, and how those affect him, and how they also affect you.
1: Uh, the the movies, uh, you know, what uh, again, not intentionally used to create the plot, but I think it, it again, I happen to fall into it I'll give you a short example of it the narrator you know is left crunchy to on a ship to arrive to America and the first night I mean when he goes to the dining room and I don't know if you ever have taken a ship uh, or whatever but there's all kind of uh, etiquettes of eating Western way and this guy is you know 19-year-old man from India who is, you know, I mean, there were more silverware on the table where he was sitting than the entire uh, silverware in his household. There were six on one side <laughs> and there <was> six on the <laughs> other, and yeah. he doesn't is know. Is this something see. you experienced? Yeah. Okay. So he is sitting there, and there are all these, you know, it was a British ship uh, uh, that you have to wear a suit and a tie. The poor guy doesn't even have only have one or two ties, and he's not wearing ties. So uh, he is, and he does not know how to, you know, which fork to use and how to use a certain thing with the fork. If you don't, I mean, if you use like an Indian eats with the hands, mm-hmm. you never bother about it, even. Uh, so, so all this happening, he could not finish his meal, and. Uh, this is, is part of the scene from this uh, book and so he kind of leaves however he f- the table and then he gets followed by an a Major who was also traveling in the boat? M- uh, and he confronts him and says you know young man you have to come to the table wearing a suit and and a tie and you have to you know eat properly and You, know, you represent your country here. mm mm-hmm. And this poor guy doesn't know how to. And so the, there's a minor exchange that we don't have to necessarily go in there. And he you know, he walks away from this other person who's trying to, him to be a nice, right person, mm-hmm. you know, or, or represent his country properly. What he does, he goes and see the movie Imitation of Life. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, the, you know, it's those kind of, you know, so those movies are used, uh, at, at first they were not used intentionally planned, but then it became easier to, to make a point just by either using the uh, title of the movie or brief synopsis, or those who know movies will mm-hmm. immediately know what he, the narrator is talking about based on a given movie. And the uh, Imitation Life is uh, one example of
0: that. <laughs> the, that's so fascinating. <laughs> now, I, I, I'd like you to talk, too, about, uh, you said that most of your writing is rewriting. So you finished this novel, you write you wrote this novel, I'm guessing just from page 1 to the end. Mm-hmm. It's straight through, is that correct?
1: Yeah, more or less, yeah. Uh,
0: um now when you finished it, did you know you had a novel and and once you finished it, talk about the rewriting process. Did you like whittle away at the stone or did you build up from from the from the skeleton? Uh
1: it was, you know, almost the the first part of uh, you know, or the first write of the novel is not in even in the in here, because I think when I first finished it, it was like about five hundred pages, mm-hmm. and there were a lot of unnecessary details, and that you know what to take out. I, uh, I think I have a good way to ex- express myself. I finally, I think I found some kind of my writer's voice, and mm. I think it's there, and that's most important. But uh, right uh, when I, even like now, I have another book finished. I have two novels finished, and but even now, when I look at it and I say, when I read the page one and I like the the page one, I cannot believe that I have the patience and uh, to f- finish the two hundred fifty or three hundred pages of a given book, and and it still amazes me that. Did I do this? It, it it's really my writing, uh, and I sometimes don't even recognize what I said. I said, "Oh, I said that." It's it's not bad. <laughs> so no, it's it, it's it's a continuous, you know, rewrite. Mm-hmm. But uh, and that's why you forget that, you know, because when you may have said it in the first time, it was very ordinary way of saying it. It's like uh, God, what what. I mean, you say something in a very ordinary way and then mm-hmm. but suddenly you rewrite it and you find the right words and it's this, you're saying exactly the same thing, but it sounds much better.
0: do you enjoy rewriting
1: Yes, uh, not always, but <laughs> yes uh, because I know that my first draft is going to be just, you know, but what it it gives you the outline it, mm-hmm. because I don't know if every writer. I would sometimes make a note of that, yeah, this is where I'm going, so on the side I'll write it down, that I have to get there. And as I get more older, both as a person, but not so much as a, as a writer, now I have found a new way. If if I have a new thought come in, and I know this is going to go in the book, I don't wait, wait to say, well, when I will get there, I'll add it to that part. I'll immediately write that thought down, and, and it could be 10 pages, it could be 15 pages, and it is out of sequence, but I know uh, have a, it's going to get used at mm-hmm. some point in the story.
0: So now this is on the first draft when you're writing? You, yeah. You might come, so you're, you, you might be a quarter of the way into the book, yeah. and you envision some scene that's three quarters of the way into the book. Rather than making a note, you go right there and write the scene right, right then. Yeah. And then put it together, or stitch it together, or, whatever, whatever oh, yeah, it is, or sti- write your way to the next scene, yeah. to that scene. Yeah. that's a fascinating process I talk about how your work as a short story writer has helped or hurt your ability to write novels is it has it helped or, or has it hurt uh what, what it is that
1: uh, it, it helped definitely helped no it uh, because what it is that it, a novel is nothing but a combination of short stories mm-hmm. in some ways I mean uh, so the, it's a life it, it is a lie and so it it is uh, it helped a lot and mm-hmm. as a matter of fact if you uh, see the credits or acknowledgement in this book, I have at least about six or eight of my stories that are published in a different form mm-hmm. and as part of, this book? Uh, part of this book and I realized that, oh, this I already have written this scene and I can rewrite this you know, uh, in a different way and I still use it because it's a personal kind of a story so you don't have to throw that part away with, just because you've written it and it got published in a different form now, and that's the beauty of it it was published previously in a different <laughs> form <laughs> so now,
0: I, what I have to ask this is uh-huh. a very classic technique in, in the science fiction world what they do is somebody will write a series you know a story of Starship Captain A and mm-hmm. he does has a little adventure and they'll write another little adventure down here and a little adventure down here and then they'll say oh wow I can put these together and they call it a fix up mm-hmm. when they stitch them together now what I'm wondering is when you wrote these short stories did you have your character Ramzan was he in them or were they just did you just when you reincorporated them into the novel, did you rewrite them as you reincorporated them or or did you just cut and paste them and then edit? Edit what was what what you'd already written, if you understand the distinction.
1: Yeah, yeah no, no, definitely. Cut and paste is <laughs> favorite pastime here. Okay, alright. <laughs> so you just cut cut now. What was it? Were the
0: characters in the short stories was that Ramzan him already, or was uh, well, it somebody else? The,
1: the book is written in the first person, uh-huh. so uh, I, his name happened to be Ramzan. Uh-huh. But so a certain a short story, I thought well, that is a. You cannot use the whole story because mm-hmm. the that story has its own conclusion, its own beginning, and its own end. Mm-hmm. But it, in the in narrative to carry on, that given scene that I, I'm using is very useful for the book. Oh, I see. So
0: <laughs> if, if there might be a scene. might have been a scene where in a short story where somebody goes to a coffee house, mm-hmm. it's not the whole story, but you can pull that coffee house scene, oh, I need a coffee house scene, yeah. and, <laughs> and somebody goes to a coffee house, I see, oh, well, that's a really fascinating. Uh, it, it's almost like a, a I don't, it, it's like a, a remix tape or something. You,
1: it, it is, would be something like, uh, I'll give you an example of that. What have, what, one of my short stories that has been enthologized a few times is called Tribes, and, that's slightly it, it never happened really but I went to school in Oklahoma and once I was on a bus stop and I saw this American Indian native Indian there and and that's all I saw him and I somehow end up writing a short piece about the tribes and which is my experience as a you know Indian versus Indian meaning American Indian versus the, uh, myself Indian Indian or native Indian. Versus. So the scene uh, uh, was—it's a full story. It's a very short story, but it's a good story and mm-hmm. it's a full story. And I—it kind of needed it, it, an interaction. And I thought, oh, I can take go to my own story tribe. I cannot use the entire story, but I can use first three pages where this our narrator come in. Uh in contact with a native Indian, uh, American Indian, uh, and I don't have to rewrite the whole scene or recreate the whole thing. I already have written it. Uh So here I go. I mean, take it out, that story, take off all the ending, because the ending is, that's a complete story. I don't need that ending. It's Mm -hmm. not going to be used that way. But I still have that scene that Mm. that I, this our narrator interacts with the with the Native American Indian. And it was a powerful scene to me, and I wanted to, you know, Ramzan to experience that or our reader to experience that. So I took that part of that story and
0: plugged it in. Well, that's just so fascinating. I've been speaking with Saeed Afsal Haider. His new novel is To Be With Her. Thank you for joining me, Saeed.
1: Thank you very much, Rick.
0: Now. What I want you to do is to read a brief scene. Uh, Maybe, I think, uh, uh, let's go with maybe the first page. But if you have a scene that you would like to read that's better than the first page, I like the first page.
1: Well, let's just do the first page since it's already here and it's open. And this one is not taken from another story. It really is (laughs) written originally for this. Okay. (laughs) This. uh, Yeah, I'll just... uh, I love movies. I, I, actually, I should talk about this scene that, uh, that my uh, publisher cut. Um, uh, I'll come back to it, but uh, edited it out. I thought that was a very good scene. I, he should have never. Ed- my editor should have not taken it out. I always wanted to put it. That scene. The story is about this uh, peasant c- comes to a big city for the first time, and he goes to the, see a movie. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, there's a scene where. The, it's an Indian movie, of course. So uh, now, is that a scene... This scene, this scene was cut out, but I'm now... See, okay. the writers never let anything go <laughs> past them. So <laughs> since it got cut out from the bo- book, I'm going to tell. Okay. <laughs> since you're giving me the privilege to... Do it. So the, my, my editor cut this scene. He said, so, you know, everybody knows this scene, but I don't think everybody knows. And you can tell me if you think he was right, my editor was right. So the scene is the, the this peasant goes to see a movie for the first time. In the movie, there's a scene where the woman is going to take a bath. It's an Indian movie. They're walking into the river, and she's disrobing herself. As she starts disrobing it, the the train comes in and and blocks the view of of the viewer. When the, the train is gone, the woman is already in the Mm water. So the poor peasant says that he goes to the movie six days in a row, saying one of these days the train is going to be late. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I like that scene. Yeah, that's I think it should se- have not been taken out. No. So, yeah,
1: so he, my editor took that scene out, and, and the poor person keep on going to see the movie, and, it never, and the train was never late. So, that's the beauty of the movies. These things always work, seem to work. Anyway, So, I'll, but I'll definitely read this one pa- first paragraph. I love movies. I see life as a movie. I go to a movie almost every day. My best friend, Kazi, lives in a flat number 3 in Aziz Manzil, the building next door. His father is the manager of the Majestic Cinema on Bandar Road, two blocks east of our home. Thanks to Kazi, I can walk into the Majestic Cinema anytime for any show, 3, 6, or 9, and the additional 10 o'clock show on Sunday mornings. When Mehboob's Silver Jubilee film, Andaz, opened at Majestic, Kazi and I went to see it every day at 3.42, 6.42, 9.42 for seven weeks. I love the scene where Dilip Kumar sings to Nargis, It's not in the book, but I'll translate it for those. It means, today I lost my heart to somebody.
0: Thank you for joining me, Saeed. Thank you very much